Welcome to the PMDD Healing Summit, where the world's top experts share hope, guidance, and next steps for your PMDD healing journey. My name is Charisma Whitefeather, and today I am joined by Tina A. Williams. And Tina is the author of Woman in the Basement, How to Live Your Best Life 75% of the Time. It's an amazing book. We're going to get deep into it. Tina is a longtime sufferer of PMDD, and her journey through life as a sufferer offers such unique self-development perspectives and alternative ways of approaching women's mental health issues. Before her diagnosis, she earned a master's in information systems and navigated the world of the high-tech industry, studying systems and how components interact with one another. And I think that really helped her to navigate this whole PMDD journey. We're gonna get into that too. Tina loves to travel with her two children and go on long runs with her dog, Lucky. When she's alone, you can find her writing and microdosing psilocybin. Mm. And I wanna share this last line that Tina wrote in her book because I think it just sets the tone for our whole talk today. She wrote, there is no definition of done. We don't reach the peak and stop climbing. When we finally reach the top, we simply turn around to show others the way, lifting them up to walk alongside us. Thank you, Tina, for coming here to lift us all up and welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a pure pleasure. And I read your book and I really urge everyone out there with PMDD or maybe if your partner has PMDD to read this book because it was, it brought me to tears and it also had me rooting and it, you have so much information in there. I can really tell that you love to research and get into details. Um, so you wrote about, you know, your own personal PMDD journey uh, in Woman in the Basement. And I was just telling you that I really feel that it feels a lot like the alchemist, that your journey turns into my journey and possibly everyone's journey that we can go through with PMDD. So share a little bit about your journey and why you feel so passionate about PMDD awareness. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with my journey that was really, I think the hardest challenge for me was the fact that it took 20 years. You know, I, I had PMDD for 20 years before I even knew what PMDD was. So, you know, the book, it, it really kind of takes you through that journey. It's, it's um, looking back on, you know, those 20 years of what it was like and, and the ups and downs and, you know, the challenges and, and all of that. Um, and I think at the end of that, you know, I did the self-reflection. I looked, I realized what was going on. I researched, I learned about PNDD. But after 20 years, I mean, there was trauma. The, <laughs> um, you know, we don't, we don't go through the journey without the trauma. Um, and even when we learn how to manage our symptoms, we still need to have that space where we look at it objectively and say, you know, this has been a traumatic experience. And, you know, so I think that's kind of, you know, the book is, 
both of those things. It's the journey, but then it's the healing part. So, um, but that is why awareness is so incredibly important to me because, you know, I was 13 when I started having POGD symptoms. So 20 years is far too long <laughs> for someone to suffer without proper, you know, medical treatment and care and, and guidance and all of that. So I think just awareness is, is so important. Um, and I'm, I'm just very passionate about it. I don't want that next generation to go through that, right? Absolutely. I hear you. Thank goodness. It's PMDD Awareness Month right now. Yes. And yes. I hear you because I look back at my past in my college years, I had, I trashed my college room like, and I know now, oh my gosh, that was PMDD. Now it all makes sense, but there is so much trauma there. Also so much shame that needs to be healed. Oh, and yes. so much guilt, definitely. So thank you for, for bringing yes. that up. And that's why that awareness is so important. Yes. Right. Right. And in your book, because I love this whole 75, 25%. So the tagline of your book is how to live your best life 75% of the time. Could you talk a little bit about that 75% and the 25%? Yes, yes. So when I was, uh, when I finally realized what PMDD was, kind of what I was dealing with, what I was up against, uh, I got the diagnosis. And I had a um, certain respect for the disorder. Um, I realized that it was uh, incredibly, it, it, it can be very debilitating. You know, this is, this is a powerful thing that we are all fighting, right? And so I just, I just, I learned this. Um, I wanted to give it some space. <laughs> I wanted to give my PMDD some respect that it deserved, right? So I said, okay, 25% of the time, you know, that's when I experienced symptoms. And I wanted to kind of allow that 25% of the time, whatever needed to happen, whatever I needed to do to cope, I kind of, I gave myself that opportunity to do that. Um, but in the same breath, I said, I have 75% left. And so in that 75%, I am going to, you know, be the best person that I am. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And I'm going to you know, continue to live a life that I want to live. So I think it's just, you know, so that, that breakdown, that kind of system worked well for me. Yeah. I love that breakdown. I, I was like, wow, this is so great because sometimes <laughs> I know we can feel like PMDD is our whole life. Exactly. Kind of remembrance. Okay. It really sucks. This 25% of time, but look, I have 75% that I can do with what I need to do for me. So yes, yes for sure. 
Oh, so in your book, you share, and just every page is just so full of goodness. I took so many notes um, that when you were diagnosed with PNDD, that like your doctors and, you know, they said that they wanted to put you on antidepressants. They put you mm -hmm. on the pill and they wanted to put you on antidepressants, but you kind of were like a little bit hesitant to do that. And that's when you started doing your own research. Um, so what do you um, think, in your opinion, do we need to do to start uh, living 75% of our lives in the best way that we can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that the first thing in order to really be the best possible version of ourselves during that 75% is that 25%, you have to find a way to, you know, um, manage mm -hmm. and whatever that means for you. Right. We know that is that's so different across the board. But, you know, looking back, um, one of the things I realized was that the decisions that I made during that time, they were incredibly impactful for my life. And and it was because I was in a place of, um, you know, very negative thoughts. And, and I just. So that, that was the, the first thing is, you know, we have to find a way to manage those symptoms so that we can kind of keep our lives together, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so. That's really, and I, I love what you're saying there, finding something to manage our symptoms, finding what works. And that's what really struck me about your journey, this curiosity and all this research. Mm -hmm. You're like, this doesn't really work. And they didn't really do studies, you know, like it's that yeah. was something. And that's kind of why I brought the summit together and all these different kind of experts. Right, so someone right. might feel called to this thing, maybe not to this thing, but find something here. So that little nugget. So let's go into something. Exactly. That is, that is was part and is part of your journey, magic mushrooms. And I know in the forums, there's so much interest and there's some kind of a bit of a hush hush, you know, people don't really wanna talk about it. So let's just be, let's just be, I don't know, you know, pioneers here for the first ever PMDD healing summit. So could you share why you think that magic mushrooms, the psilocybin, why that helped you? Yes, so, I, I think there's there's a couple of different things there. Um, one, from my research, right? I, I This wasn't something that I just jumped into and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go, you know, try this thing. I did a ton of research before, um, you know, as it's outlined in my book, right? I read the studies, I read, and, um, you know, I, I looked through the communities, I looked through the experts. Um, so that was a big part of it is that I knew what I was getting into, mm -hmm. right? And, and so taking the, the first step to become extremely educated and knowledgeable about it, yeah. um, that, that was uh, helpful. But I think more so, um, it was something that was fast acting. And I think a problem that we have with PMDD symptom management is that 
you know, we don't always know when those symptoms are going to arise. So, and um, so, so for me, that, that was one thing that was helpful because this was, you know, within a 30 minutes to an hour time frame, right? Um, so yeah, I, and then of course, the science behind psilocybin and kind of what it's doing um, in our bodies and our brains. And, and um, so there's that piece of it, right? Which I kind of go into more detail in my book about the process and, and what's happening in the studies, right? So this was all um, research that I outline in my book um, from the different universities. Um, but then on top of that, I think in chapter two, I dig into it a little more. Um, it's the healing mm. part. And I think that was probably the most um, beneficial mm. piece for me and um, because it kind of illuminated some things um so yeah. yeah and that's you know the the chapter two is probably my favorite part of the book <laughs> it's great it's really great i i love how you also described you know, how you were feeling and how, how these, um, how the mushrooms Im impacted you. And I just want to share that also in my PMDD healing journey, definitely magic mushrooms had a big part for me to deal with that because it also connected me to my inner love and to my connection to nature and to nature's yes. love. So I went right. from, you know, this little ball of anxiety into, oh wait, maybe there is more. And what it also opened to me is that maybe my thoughts aren't real that kind right. of, oh, I, this is, I'm saying this in my head, like, that's not true. Like, I don't even need to listen to that. So exactly. it kind of put everything in Yes, yes. And that's, that's huge because I realized, and I, yeah, I, I, I write about it better than I talk about it. Um, <laughs> because that's just how I am. Um, but um, it, it kind of illuminated um, that my thoughts, you know, every month when this was happening, that this is wrong. It's incorrect. It's not correct. <laughs> so that was huge, you know, huge eye opener. Yes. So I know that, you know, doses probably change from person to person, but when you were doing your research, how did you find out which dose might work for you? Yeah. So I certainly should have done more research on that prior to going through my um, journey. And, you know, as you know, in chapter two, right. Um, <laughs> afterwards though, that's when I took a step back and said, okay, I need to actually um, get really specific on research into this. Right. And it's like the protocol and, and um, you know, following that. But I think there's, there's a couple of what very, you know, well-established protocols out there from, you know, experts in this field. So I think, you know, following kind of those protocols for microdosing um, 
it shouldn't be like a willy nil, or like a, <laughs> you know, just whatever you think at the time. Yes. That wasn't. Um, Absolutely. Yes. It's micro, it's called micro dosing <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love so. what you're bringing up. Do the research. And I think this is also part of this healing summit is empower yourself to do the research and find out what works for you and let yourself go down this, down this rabbit hole, like Alice in Wonderland and see what you can find because we're all different. So yeah, thank you for bringing that one up. So when you were microdosing, because this comes up in the forum a lot too, did you do this during the whole month or only during your hell week? Could you just, mm -hmm. how you just personally did that? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was just really for symptom management. That's the only thing that I was concerned about or, or wanted to do. Um, and so with a little bit of time, I was like, you know, this is, this is working for me. Right. Um, but I also noticed some side effects, mm -hmm. um, good ones, right. Um, you know, when I was outside in nature, when I was walking the dog or just going for a jog or, or whatever was going on, I felt like you said, there's a, there's a sense of connection, mm -hmm. yeah. right. Um, you know, or even just a little bit with the colors, the leaves yeah. were a green that I had never, mm. I had never paid attention to these things before. Yeah. Right. So those kind of side effects, um, you know, it was just like a more grounded mm. sense of well-being in general, um, and so then I, you know, I did the every three day kind of protocol for a while and that, that was very helpful. That also helped with, you know, the healing and kind of the trauma. So. Thank you. So if somebody were researching this, would this be like microdosing protocol? Is this what they would have to put into Google? Is that what that's called? Yeah. So there's two different ones that I'm aware of, and there may be more, but um, there's two experts kind of in this field, um, James Fadiman, and then also Paul Stamets. And they both have, you know, websites and um, protocols out there online where, you know, they've just compiled a lot of data, a lot of research and so yeah, there's a ton of information out there. Great. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to look those up and I'm going to put them below the interview. So someone who's might be interested in this, because I do want to say, I know it sounds a bit, there's a stigma around this whole thing. And I know it has been, you know, magic mushrooms and all these things have been vilified by the government and by our parents. And I know so much stigma around this. I just want to say that there is research on this and there yes. is universities, doctors, people have research and they help as, for example, antidepressant alternatives. It's proven. Yes. Absolutely. Why do you think there's such a stigma around this? Um, so it's probably, you know, it's the same thing as why there's a stigma around the menstrual cycle. You know, <laughs> I mean, if we think about it like that, it is how we have 
been taught to think about something, right? And so with PMDD, you know, that's one of the first things that I was trying to get over is like, okay, this isn't PMS. This isn't, and even I had to get over that, right? And I'm the one experiencing it. So I had to unlearn Mm. some things so I could give PMDD the respect it deserved, right? And so I think it's the same thing for psychedelics. We have this idea of what they are. And when we look at the science and we actually understand, um, it's just not the case. absolutely agree. We have these images of people going crazy and doing all these wild things and dancing around naked in San Francisco. If that's something Uh. you want to do, you can, but you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. I love that connection with the menstrual cycle, the stigmatization. Mm -hmm. That just blew my mind because yeah, you're right. We have to unlearn maybe some things, relearn our own way. Right. Right. Well, and understand, you know, I'm big on research. I'm big on science. I'm big on, um, yeah, we have to, we have to unravel that so that we can, you know, progress. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Ooh, this is really juicy. I hope y'all are taking notes <laughs> out there. Ooh, you know, this is getting really, really good. I want to bring it back because, of course, you talk about, you know, magic mushroom, psilocybin, all these things, but your mm-hmm. book is also, how do I say this? It's like not a self, it's like a self empowerment guide. It's really like, oh, yeah. wow. And I want to, I want to bring up one chapter and it just popped into my mind because this was such a strong chapter. It was the part where your boyfriend, you were going to move in together um, oh. in Indiana, and then your PMDD started rising and it started telling you all these things that are horrible about you why you're not worthy of this relationship and of this man and I feel that so many people with PMDD can really really resonate with that because that was part of my journey as well pushing back pushing away a loved one because of these unworthy thoughts could you I'm not sure that question just wanted to come up could you speak a little bit about how we can be with that or how we can reframe that yeah yeah so that was really a um interesting kind of kind of scene if you will we can call it a scene um in my experience um it's one that i that sticks with me um because it was so incredibly um, extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I think with PMDD, it's, it can be very confusing because when these thoughts and these ideas come up, our brains have to have a way to make sense of this. So if we don't know that we have PMDD, then the way that we make sense of it is like, oh no, this relationship is bad, or this person is horrible, or um, whatever it is, it's the situation it's, you know, it's the, or the job or the, the something, something's broken. Mm -hmm. Um, but in reality, 
what is broken is our self-talk during that time, right? So I really just think it's 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 so much awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, because once I was aware of what was going on, that changed the the changed the game, right? Yeah. Um, I don't have experiences like that anymore where I where I react to that. So that I, think that's it. I hope that answered the question. Absolutely, yes, because <laughs> okay. you're bringing up awareness and you know, we're saying, oh, it's PMD Awareness Month. More people need to be aware of PMDD, but most of all, we need to be aware of our PMDD. And when it's the PMDD talking to maybe not break up with this person or file the divorce right. papers, but to maybe wait it out for just a few more days. Exactly. Yes, that yes. is really great. I also love in your book, you're talking, you say something about happy and you say to want to say, we just want to be happy is vague and lacks individualized meaning. You says that every person that we need to define our own happy. So how do you think, can we begin doing that? Yeah. So I, I think, um, and I, I, I walk through this in my, in my book a little bit in more detail, but it's, the, the biggest thing is we know what makes us unhappy, mm. right? It, it's pretty, um, th- those kind of negative emotions, um, you know, the things that scare us or the things that um, make us feel bad, we can pick that out pretty easily. Um, and so I, I think that's the first key is like, let's look at that first. Let's identify what that is. And then we can kind of do this systematic approach where we can, um, you know, walk backwards from there and say, what is the opposite of this? So I go through this whole synonym, or, <laughs> you know, I go through this, this whole mapping thing in my book because that's just how my brain works. But um, I need a system for things, right? So yeah. I love that because it's almost like a, it could be a journaling exercise. Maybe even y'all out there could journal on what do you not like? What do you not want? What does not make you happy? And and flip it and see if that's what might make you happy. Yeah. Maybe share it in the, share it in the Facebook group. What comes up? <laughs> I, I also agree because it took me, I, I call it, I follow my bliss. So I started mm-hmm. just tuning into what do I like? What did I always like as a kid? And for me, it was dancing. And just dancing led me to, to slowly find my purpose. So I really like that you say we need to find our own happy because it's individual for everybody. Right, right. I really, I really love that. And I want to just do one more quote from your book because I really, I could quote from your book all day long because it's just, you are truly a magnificent, gifted writer. And you say in your book, the reason to save myself must be much stronger than the extreme panic attacks and severe suicidal depression that would plague me. I had to find my purpose, my calling, and truly live it. I had to relish in the bliss of a purpose-driven life that would pull me back from my own self-sabotage. And wow, yes. So how do you feel, how could we tap into our purpose or how did you tap into our into your purpose maybe that could be a a guideline for us yeah so and I I think this is a 
important point too. With purpose, I think the way that it's usually framed is I, I want to find my purpose or I need to find this, why I'm here. I need to find these answers. Um, and I think what I realized was that there's, it's not something that we're, it's not lost. It's not something that's lost. It's something that is within us. It's something that's already there. And I think it's, it's a part of who we are, right? So when I, and it, it, it's about listening versus finding something, right? So that was my experience was when I took a step back and really started doing the things that I wanted to do to manage my symptoms, that's what I did. I started writing um, and I loved it. And then I kept writing and I, and I loved it more. And so I think it's the, it's the, it's the stopping and the being still and making space for that. Beautiful. Yes. Rather than trying to go out there and find it, to go within and to listen to whatever right. comes through, what's already there. Ooh, thank you. That was, that's really really amazing. Thank you so much. We're almost at time, but have, is there something that we haven't talked about yet that you would like to talk about? Something that was really pivotal in your journey of healing? So, um, I think the biggest thing for me was I started asking for help mm. and that was weird for me. That was a strange feeling because I'm not one that would do that. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that was a big turning point. And it was even weird for the people that I asked, <laughs> even though they were super supportive, they were just like, this is odd. Um, so, you know, go ahead and just get that out of the way. That's important. Um, you know, get, get through that kind of comfort zone. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Because I know also for me, because I'm like this powerful, independent woman, I don't want to ask for help yeah. because that seemed weak to me. So <laughs> in what ways did you ask for help? Did you ask for help like during your hell week or so you could honor yourself? What kind what yeah. did that look like? Yeah. So I asked mostly um, for my ex-husband of all people, um, who was extremely supportive. And so those conversations were interesting, but, um, you know, it just works. Um, and when you, when you make the space to honor yourself, it opens up the, um, you know, the conversation for other people to do the same, right? So sometimes I, I was quite surprised when I started asking for help that I actually received it. <laughs> so that was cool. That was good. Um, that is great. And receiving is not always so easy. So thank you for bringing that in, that asking for help. Yes. 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 Wow. 
why not? We don't have to just go at it alone and grr, grr through everything and elbow our ways through, like kind of that little bit of softening, a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of asking for help. Yeah, yeah. That's a really great one. Thank you so much for sharing that one. So much wisdom. Ah, any, this is our before um, we say goodbye. I would like to ask you, you have given us so much listening for our purpose, educating ourselves, doing the research, asking for help. Are there any words, last words of hope or encouragement you have for someone who is going through PMDD, who has PMDD? Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is that everyone that's here has made an incredible step already. They know, they either know they have PMDD or they um, might have PMDD or maybe a loved one, whatever the situation is, but the knowledge, the learning, the growing, this is, you're doing that now, right? Right now you're doing that. So give yourself some credit, number one, for being here, for showing up for yourself. And then two, like there's nowhere, there's nowhere else to go but up, right? There's no, all you can do is get better from here. You're not going to go backwards. You know, I'm not, I'm not going back to my 20 years of, <laughs> since I've learned and, and grown and I just, everything, it's gone up from there, you know? So I think just keep moving, keep making forward progress, keep learning, keep tuning in, keep researching, keep growing. Mm, aho, yes, beautiful words of encouragement. Thank you so yeah. much. Also, thank you for taking time to be here. Thank you for writing your book. And I also want to say, y'all, Gina is sponsoring a book to be given away here at the PNDP <laughs> Healing Summit. So just stay tuned for that giveaway because it's happening. And I'm so thankful for you for doing to you Thanks. for doing that. Thanks. And um, share y'all share any takeaways in the Facebook group. Um, if you've read this book, just share that you've already read Woman in the Basement. I would love to we could start a little book club even. Okay, here we go. I'm yes. But anyway, Tina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing time. With thank us. you so much for having me. You're so welcome. All right, y'all. <laughs> we're out of here. Have a wonderful rest Thank of your day. You. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Charisma. If this expert interview inspired you or helped you in any way, please consider leaving a five-star review with your insights so other PMDD warriors like you can find these interviews and benefit from them too. You're awesome, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. And remember, relief is possible. Okay, bye.